Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to see you. We love you at HC, and we're so glad each and every one of you are here and get to worship with you uh, this morning as we sing Christmas songs. It's that time of year, and it's a lot of fun and most definitely exciting to celebrate to celebrate Jesus. Well, before we lean into part two of White Elephant Gifts, which I'm very excited to get to, just want to tell you how excited we are about 2019. It's hard to believe that we're almost there. Uh, we've got to figure out how to put that new number down on the date. I'm just now starting to get used to putting 18 down. We'll be putting 19 down uh, here in just a few weeks. And we're just excited about 2019 as our church continues to grow and God continues to bless. And as we, the first Sunday in January, are going to two morning um, worship services. And so I just want to tell you a couple things that you're going to need to know. Among others, we've been talking about this and we want to talk about it more to make sure you know the first service is going to start at 9 and the second gathering is going to start at 1045. Just a reminder, you know this, but man, we place a high priority on teaching our kids about Jesus so that they can learn about him, so they can become followers of him. And our HC Kids is going to continue to grow and continue to improve. And we've got a ton of people that have stepped up to serve. And just want you to know that you can help in HC Kids um, if you like. Uh, one Sunday a month is what that looks like. One Sunday a month that you can serve. And with two services, you'll be able to serve during one worship service and be able to come in here and worship in the other worship service. And so we're just really looking forward to that continuing to grow. Uh, balcony people up there, y'all in the house, balcony, anybody? Normally the balcony's awake, and I had four people wave at me today, so I don't know what's up with that. No noise. They're waving. They can't see you wave. You have to say yes, uh-huh, hello, or something. Balcony, are you up there? Okay, all right. In the words of Bob Barker, Come on down for the price is right, all right? Let me tell you what that looks like. Um, when we first uh, go to two services here in a few weeks, we are not going to have the balcony open, and I know that makes you groan just a little bit, but we're going to bring everybody down, um, and we're going to make the seats down here the same price as the seats up there, all right? So we're going we're gonna to hook you up. But as we continue to grow and need to open that balcony up, we'll definitely do that. We're also going to create some space for fellowship and connection, and it's just going to be a, a wonderful time. Most importantly, we want you, each and every one of you, to invite your friends to join us to worship the Lord. People that do not attend church, people who are not currently uh, maybe following the Lord, don't even know about Jesus, uh, we want you to invite them. This is not about becoming a bigger church. This is about having a bigger kingdom impact. This is about more of our friends and the people that we know and that we love and that we're doing life with coming to find and to follow Jesus. Speaking of exciting, we are in week two of our series, White Elephant Gifts. White Elephant Gifts. And so uh, as we're thinking about White Elephant Gifts, there are sometimes uh, gifts that you don't want that are funny or maybe they're actually something useful that's funny. There's all kinds of stuff that happens out there. want to show you one picture on the screen. This is a white elephant gift we received a few years ago. I think it's coming on there. It was like an inflatable raft. We lived in Washington at the time. We never spent time in the water because it was really, really cold. We got it in December. We definitely didn't use it in the water in December, but our kids saw it, so we blew it up, and they just made like a couch out of it and had a great time and watched TV with it, this inflatable thing. Uh, I don't know if that thing's still around or not. In fact, if they see that picture right now, they might start missing it. But anyway, and they're probably too big to all four fit in it, probably. Um, I asked some people on Facebook, hey, what's a favorite Christmas um, white elephant gift that you've gotten? And one person talked about their grandmother giving them a flashlight. 
and how that on Christmas they gave them the flashlight, and then in March on their birthday, Grandma followed up with batteries to go in that flashlight. <laughs> and I quote, it wasn't even like a nice flashlight. It was like a cheap dollar store one. So anyway, there you go. I've got another pick for you. I, I got this, a white elephant gift, not, uh, but just a couple of weeks ago, a Bob Ross, Ross Chia Pet. That is like the perfect combination of everything good in the world right there. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and so Bob Ross is just great. In fact, there he is. So in case you don't know how you do a chia pet, you get the seeds and you mix them up with water and they kind of start gelling and become kind of a jello kind of thing. If you mix them uh, too like um, thin, it's kind of runny. And we honestly mixed it kind of thin and at first he looked a little bit more like a jerry curl than a fro, I'll be honest with you, but we kind of worked on that. And in fact, we woke up this morning and he started sprouting and so we're super duper Excited about that. And then last night, another party, I got to pick up another Bob Ross. I got my very own Bob Ross bobblehead last night right here. And he talks, and so we're going to see if we can hear from him right now. All right, here we go. It's a true joy. I love it. If you don't know who Bob Ross is, meet us at the altar after it's over. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's not really what we're worried about you knowing, all right? But Bob Ross is great. Some of my favorite quotes from Bob, there's nothing wrong with having a tree as a friend. Do whatever you want to with that one. Um, this one's great. Even a little tree will grow up to be a big tree. All it needs is water, sunshine, and love, the same as all of us. So with those quotes of Bob Ross and thinking about white elephant gifts, today I want us to think about a white elephant gift. Again, something that... Is unwanted, but is maybe in our lives. And it's this thing called anger, okay? Anger. Maybe, just maybe, you had a great and perfect week and nothing happened in your world this week to test your temper or to test your attitude or to test whether or not you would get angry or not. I did not have one of those weeks. And I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying. I had a week where, man, it was challenging. And I'm not even exaggerating to you. Last night, I flipped open my laptop, as I always do on Saturday night, just kind of review my, my sermon and my notes and see if I want to change anything or add anything or, or anything else I want to do to it. And my computer automatically updated. And I had no access to my notes last night, my sermon today. I was like, Arr! right? And so that was a moment for me. Um, I'm not exaggerating on this either. Um, this week I was studying and I was reading through the passage we're going to read through this morning and I was kind of going through a mental inventory of people in my life that have maybe hurt me or angered me or wh whatever it may be where I felt like there was something between me and them. And I was literally going through a list of names and faces and I was literally out loud with God saying, God, I, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. I was saying who their name was and what it was for. And in the middle of that process, I get one of those texts. You ever get one of those texts? I got one of those texts that almost incited me to anger immediately in the middle of that process. I'm forgiving people, and I'm telling God, I let them off the hook. God, you're good. You're gracious towards me. I want to show the same to them. And I get a text that just, So if that hasn't been your week, and you walked in here today, and everything's just great in your world, Great. Maybe, just maybe, you're like me, and it's the big things that really set you off, like things that rattle in the car. Whew, 
I, I don't know what it is, and I wish I could ignore it. My wife has this incredible ability to uh, ignore small, irritating noises, also known as kids. I, I just can't do it. And if there's something rattling in the car, I just like almost have to pull over, right, and get it stopped. That's just me. And uh, one of my favorites right now that really aggravates me is the little bitty uh, piece of plastic that after you open like your water bottle, you open it, that little plastic thing that stays underneath the, the lid, you know, that little round that helps seal it, it stays on there. And I don't know if you ever noticed, and I'm probably going to mess some of you up because now you're going to notice it, but that thing going down the road, it'll just rattle on a bottle of water. <sighs> so my wife, she's so kind. She's like, I'm going to come up with a contraption to like take those off every time we open a bottle. She's so kind, trying to help me with my issues, all right? And I have them. So... Assuming you don't have any issues, I want to thank you for coming this morning to listen to me preach this sermon to myself, all right, because I know none of you struggle with this thing called anger. So I want to ask you this question. What are you angry about? What are you angry about? And maybe for you, it's the little things, and they get me too. Maybe for you, it's a big thing, but what are you angry about. Maybe for you, it's just this past week, something really not right happened to you or around you. Maybe for you, it was last year or it was a long, long time ago, but because of what has happened to you or around you, you still just struggle and wrestle with angry anger. Maybe someone offended you, someone hurt you, someone betrayed you, Maybe you find yourself replaying that over and over in your mind from time to time. Now, if something has really, really bad and hurtful happened to you, I want you to understand as we go through this talk and sermon about anger, we are not making little of the hurt and the pain that you experience that has caused you anger. In fact, we're talking about this because we want you to experience healing and we want you to experience freedom from that very thing that is keeping you um, feeling the way that you feel and experiencing what you're experiencing. Maybe some of you are just angry at life in general. Um, maybe it's just not turned out the way you thought it would or the way you planned it. Maybe your job is not exactly your dream job and you're just there every week just to make a living and you despise going there and it causes you to be angry every time you think about work. Maybe you don't get paid what you think you're worth and probably everybody in the room feels that way if you think about it hard enough, right? Maybe your marriage is not exactly what you thought it would be. Maybe you're angry at yourself. Maybe you've made some decisions that have just really thrown things into tailspin for you, and you're angry at the decisions and about the decisions that you've made. Maybe you're in so much debt right now because you've made such a foolish decision financially or a bunch of foolish financial decisions, and you're angry at yourself. Maybe you did something sinful. You did something wrong, and you're experiencing the guilt and the consequences of that in your life. And that incites you to anger when you think about it. Maybe you're angry at your friends or people who used to be your friends. Maybe you're angry at the government or a politician. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that can cause us and bring about anger. Um, I'm going to come on the screen here for you, a, a quote by Harriet Lerner. She says this, anger is a signal and one worth listening to. Anger is a signal and one worth listening to. So what we're saying here is that if there's anger in you, that is telling you that is your God-given um, ability to realize something's not right. 
Something is wrong. Something is amiss. And anger is a signal and one worth listening to. And I want to follow it up by saying this, and you need to write this down, especially if you struggle with anger, and that is this. If you don't learn how to handle anger, you will constantly hurt others. If you don't learn how to handle anger, you will constantly hurt others. And maybe, just maybe, you've been struggling with anger in your life long enough that you can say, I've already blown it quite a few times with my anger to the point that I've hurt my husband or I've hurt my wife or I've hurt my kids. And when I say hurt, we can mean all kinds of things, right? Obviously, we can mean physically. Anger can definitely take you to that place. Um, The old poet named Horace, um, he says that anger is temporary insanity, right? When we get angry, we kind of lose our minds. We forget what is uh, good and what we ought to be doing, and we just find ourselves justified doing whatever. But also, we can quickly, quickly in our anger hurt people with our words. It's very, very dangerous. It's very dangerous. You can find yourself losing your job if you lose your temper, You can lose your marriage if you lose your temper. You can lose so much. So much is on the line when it comes to this thing of anger. Have you ever noticed that when you're angry, you're always right? I've kind of been replaying a lot of things in my life. I'm going, yeah, I was angry there. And yeah, I was so right in that moment. I was so right in the moment. Which goes back to kind of that temporary insanity, if you will. We feel justified in everything that we do in that moment. It's the reason why people who carry out terrible crimes sometimes that bring hurt on others in that moment, they're angry enough that they feel like what they're doing is okay, and it's totally not okay. So when we think about this heavy subject, there's this older couple. They were having a conversation in the evening, and uh, husband says to his wife, Honey, I'm so sorry that I let my anger at you so often? How do you manage to stay so calm when I'm in my foul moods? Wife says, I always go and clean the toilet when that happens. And he says, and that helps? She said, yes, because I always use your toothbrush. (laughs) All right. I don't know if that's how we need to handle anger or not, so let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and see how we need to handle anger, all right? Ephesians chapter 4. By the way, that couple doesn't go to our church, so I don't think anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse number 17. Verse 17. Um, as I begin reading Ephesians 4, verse 17, the first few verses that we read aren't going to talk about anger at all. But I think we need to read them because I think we need a reminder of who we are. And I think we need a reminder of whose we are. Because, again, if we're angry... We kind of lose our minds just a little bit. We kind of forget reality just a little bit. We kind of forget everything that's really important. So let's kind of get recentered and refocused. In fact, I hope, I hope that as we bring up just the issue of anger, you're not so angry that you've already tuned all this out because you really, really need to hear what God has to say to us this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. And I want to pause for just a moment. The Gentiles and this name, this this title for people was just the general use that followers of Jesus would use in that time to talk about unbelievers. For the most part, at this point, 
Mostly Jews are being followers of the way and followers of Jesus. And most Gentiles were following their own way. So when we say Gentiles, we can literally say unbelievers here, okay? So live no longer as the unbelievers do, for they are hopelessly confused. Do you know anybody in your life that doesn't know Jesus that's hopelessly confused? Everybody go, "Uh uh-huh, right? Uh, We turn on the news, we're like, they're hopelessly confused, right? We watch reality TV, we're like, they're hopelessly confused, right? I mean, they just are messed up on all kinds of levels. They really just don't know um, what they're supposed to be about. They don't know where they came from. They don't know what their purpose in life is. They, They don't know what is right, and they don't know what is wrong, and they sure enough don't know where they're headed when this life is over. Hopelessly confused. That's not who we are, though. We know what our purpose is. We know who we came from. We know who we follow. We know we're going to spend eternity. So we ought to be different. Verse 18. Their minds, whose minds? The unbelievers. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That's what unbelievers do. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is not how you're supposed to be living. Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, Let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. And if you recall, we talked a lot about our attitude last week. How's my attitude going to look different? How am I going to be a person that's full of faith and full of positive thoughts? It's by the Holy Spirit helping us. Verse 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. As believers, we are called to speak the truth in love. So if you are speaking anything but the truth, the Word of God says, stop it. Okay, don't do that anymore. That's not who we are. We speak truth, and again, we speak it in love, not to tear other people down, but to point them to a hope whose name is Jesus. Um, In the church, lies have no place. In the church, gossip has no place. Look now to verse number 26. And don't sin by letting, here's that word, letting, everybody say that word out loud, but letting what? Anger control you. Okay, by letting anger control you. Now, if you've ever had an issue and problem with anger, you know what it's talking about here when it's saying anger can control you. If you have had a battle with anger, you know what this means. You know what this looks like. When it kind of dominates you, tells you what to do, controls you. And here's what it says. You're a believer. This is not who you are. So, verse 26, don't sin By letting anger control you. Last part of that verse. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Isn't it fun to go to bed angry? They were being sarcastic. You know, they were. They were young, but they were totally being sarcastic. It's not fun to go to bed angry. Do you sleep well when you're angry? No. 
No. If you go to bed angry, what are you doing? You're replaying situations. You're fast-forwarding the tape up to the place where you're going to have that next conversation with them, right? And the next time, you are going to give them what for, right? Anger has begun to control you. And we're getting a piece of advice here for you to handle your anger before you go to bed. Because if you don't handle it tonight before you go to bed, you're going to wake up the next morning with it. And if you don't handle it tomorrow night before you go to bed, you're going to wake up the next night with it, the next day with it. And over and over it becomes a cycle. And the next thing you know, you are controlled by anger. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, it's worth noting that it's not a sin to be angry. Okay, it's not a sin to be angry, but I'm going to suggest that most of us in the room struggle more with anger about things and stuff that we would find ourselves not being righteous in in the moment. We would find ourselves maybe over here finding ourselves being selfish and impatient when we're angry. And if selfishness and impatience are what is stirring you up towards anger, you definitely are not righteous in your anger. Now, if you see someone that brings about an injustice and anger comes up within you, that is possibly a righteous anger. But I'm just suggesting to us today for us not to spend most of our time deciding is it righteous anger or unrighteous anger, but for us just to agree to move forward in this talk and to say, you know what? Most of the time for me, my anger is because of something that comes about in my life and I find myself being selfish and impatient. And if I'm letting that anger control me, it's going to bring about sin in my life. Look at the next verse, verse 27. Notice this warning. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, I think most of the people in the room this morning believe in Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus. But I would say that even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you probably don't want to stand up and say, I want the devil having control of my life, right? I just don't think that's where any of us are. Whether we've found ourselves placing faith in Jesus or not, I just don't think we think, yeah, I want Satan to be in control of me. Here's what the Word of God says. Anger gives foothold to the devil. You know what a foothold is, don't you? You have kids, don't you? If you have kids, you know what that is. It's when they shut their door trying to keep their sibling out, and that person goes, gets their foot in there, right? And they can't shut the door. Foothold. They're coming in. Anger gives the devil a foothold. He gets his foot in there, and he blocks the door, and he creeps his way in, and he begins to do some serious, serious damage. Now, I didn't want you to just spend this day today loathing and guilt and um, just feeling bad about your anger, but I do want to pose this question because I do want this to become very, very real for you if you struggle with your anger, and that question is this. What is it like to be on the other end or other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? When you blow up, what do they hear? When you blow up, what do they feel? When you give those cutting words, how does that land? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Now, if you struggle with anger, then we've got to be honest and say it's just not pretty. It's not kind. It's not godly. It's not good. What's it like to be on the other end of me? 
you've heard me say this before. I tell my kids this all the time, and I'm, I'm here I am. I, I struggle with anger, and I remind myself of this often. Anger is just one letter away from danger. Anger is just on the doorstep of very dangerous things happening in our lives. So we've got to be cautious. We've got to think about how we are responding to other people and how we are reacting to other people because if it's an anger, it's a very, very dangerous thing to do. Now look at verse 28. Scripture goes on. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. I'll just tell you that a lot of times, angry people, a lot of times, this is just kind of just kind of comes together. Angry people use angry words, and angry words are ugly words, all right? The word of God says don't use foul or abusive language. Maybe, just maybe, if you struggle to use good, wholesome words. I'm even talking about when you're angry. I'm talking about like you're struggling to good, use good, wholesome language. Anger may be at the core of your problem, okay? Anger may be at the core of your problem. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Everybody say good and helpful. Wow, that's a challenge, isn't it? So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 30, and do not bring sorrow. Man, that's a heavy word. Sorrow. Sadness. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. If you've never read this verse before, you might think don't bring sorrow to the people that you're talking to. Listen, when you are angry and you're living the kind of life that's being described right here, not only are you hurting other people, you're hurting the very heart and passion of the Holy Spirit. It says do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, don't forget, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. This is a word of hope and truth for us as believers, that if we are saved, we are saved forever. But it's also a word of reminder that if we are saved and we are saved forever, we should act like it because Jesus has done all of this redeeming work in our life and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We should remember who we are, remember who we represent, remember what has been done for us, and remember what we have been forgiven of. Look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and there's that word again, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And I would just quickly say that if you're an angry person, you'd probably agree with that. Yeah, I need to do that. I don't need to be like that anymore. And here's what it says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Yeah, we'd agree with that. How do we do that? Verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other. Man, you would just weird some people out. You would probably just weird your spouse out, your kids out, your coworkers out, out, maybe your fellow churchgoers out. If you figured out through the power of God how to no longer be an angry person, but to be somebody that was just kind to other people, like, man, what is going on with you? And here's what happens in that moment. Here's what happens in that moment. You get to point it all back to Jesus. 
If you have anger issues this morning, I don't have a magic wand that I can wave over you and make everything better. But Jesus has the power to overcome your anger just like he overcame the grave. And he can change your life from being an angry person to a kind person. Everybody around you is going to notice it. And when they do, take your finger and point it all back to Jesus who can and will bring the change in your life. There are some people in this room who are still married today who wouldn't still be married today because of anger in their marriage, but God has overcome that in their lives, and he has kept them married. Guess what they get to tell everybody when they say, oh, you've been married for 14 years or four years or 45 years. Get the Yeah, Jesus did it because, like, man, I blew it really, really big time. We get to point it all back to Jesus. Look on in the scripture now. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted. This is such an important word. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We'll say that again. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This whole idea of forgiveness, the working definition that I use often in my mind for forgiveness is letting somebody off the hook. Well, that just doesn't seem right, does it? Let somebody off the hook? I mean, if they did that to me and it was wrong, they deserve to pay, right? And one of the ways we're going to make them pay is by staying angry at them, right? We're going to give them ugly looks when they walk around. We're going to avoid them at any possible way. We're not going to respond to them when they speak to us or when they message us. We are going to show them, right? We're going to give them the silent treatment for a while, and we're going to build it up. And when the moment's right and everybody's watching, I'm going to blow up on them, and I'm going to tell them off, and I'm here to tell you we're going to make everything right. Really quiet room this morning. Am I describing how it works too often in our lives? Maybe so. But to let them off the hook, to forgive them, they don't deserve to be let off the hook. Let me remind you, neither do you. But Jesus, as the scripture declares, forgave who? You. Why do he forgive you? Because you deserve to be forgiven? No, you deserve judgment. You deserve penalty. You deserve everything that came along with all of your wrongdoing, and yet Christ has chosen to experience the cross, to come up from the grave, and to declare forgiveness over us. And here's what he says. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Too many times we are focused on what has been done to us and not what has been done for us. This morning, if you're struggling with anger, and I know that I'm potentially speaking to some of you that are dealing with smaller things, but I'm also speaking to some people that are dealing with some really, really big, huge things, hurtful, painful, dark things. And I'm here to tell you, you need to be focused this morning on all that Jesus has done for you. As I was uh, working through kind of my um, process this week of Literally saying out loud, God, there they are, and I forgive them of, and I'm working through that. I realize very clear in my heart and my life as I look back 
I have forgiven, and I'm not saying this to say that I'm this great, forgiving, gracious person. That's not my point. Just follow me here. I have forgiven, let people off the hook, way more people who have never told me they were sorry than people who told me they were sorry. Are you tracking with me? I have forgiven a lot more people in my life who have never said, I'm sorry, than people who said, I'm sorry. And I tell you that to tell you this, that if you are waiting on that person to come along and come in front of you and to say, I'm sorry, it may never happen. I pray it does, but it may never happen. Let me tell you what does happen when they finally come along and say it. You don't even have to think twice about saying these words. I forgive you. Why? Because you already did. I've had that experience in my life. I've had some people I thought I'll never hear from them. They'll never say I'm sorry. Uh, I think most people on the planet would say, yeah, they did me wrong. It was like very clear they were wrong. Uh, they did me wrong. And I just kind of went through and said, God, here they are. And here's what they did. And I forgive them. I let them off the hook. I pray you bless them and take care of them. They're yours. I trust you with them. And they're your children. I trust you with them. And when they've come back to me sometimes years later and said, I'm sorry, before they could get the words out of their mouth, I'm already saying, I forgive you. Why? Because I already had. I already had. So I'm just telling you that if you're waiting on somebody to say, I'm sorry, you may never hear it. But you need to do what God has called you to do, regardless of what they do. And you need to forgive them and let them off the hook. More importantly than what I just told you about forgiving more people who haven't said I'm sorry, I'm sorry. More importantly, I realized this week, afresh and new, Jesus has forgiven me of way more things and way bigger things than I have forgiven all the people that I've ever forgiven of all they've ever done. God has chosen through Christ to look at me and my sin and to say these incredible words, I forgive you. Which in turn empowers me and positions me just like it empowers you and positions you if you've been forgiven by Christ to speak these incredible words to someone or over someone, whether they are in your midst or not, I forgive you. I think as Christians, um, we do think about Jesus' payment on the cross for our sins. I think a lot of times we don't think about that same cross that Jesus experienced was for the sins of others too. And I definitely think we don't focus on the fact that Jesus not only died for my sins and their sins, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for their sins that they committed against me. The cross is so incredibly powerful. Jesus dying for my sin, your sin, the sins I've committed against you, the sins you've committed against me, all of that with all of humanity. And when we experience grace and we experience forgiveness, it changes everything. Why did Jesus do all that? Because he knew we were desperate and in need so here's what I want to tell you that Jesus came to bring you. 
If the white elephant gift this morning is anger, the one that we don't want, we want to get rid of them, we want to trade. Okay, let's get rid of that joker right there. And the one that Jesus came to bring us is joy. Jesus came to bring us joy. Now, how do you make the leap from anger to joy? Well, today I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm just going to be filled with joy. It's, it's not like that. It can be like that, but there's a couple of huge steps in the middle. We've already begun to speak about them. Okay, I want you to look at Psalm 51 really, really quick as we think about Jesus coming to bring us joy. Okay, Psalm 51. This is probably, it's definitely one of the passages that I've read more than any other passage of Scripture, Psalm 51. So if you find yourself like messed up in sin, go to Psalm 51. It's where you need to be. Look what it says towards the latter part, Psalm 51, verse number 12. David, the psalmist, writing, preaching, teaching uh, for us and giving us this psalm. He says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let that word joy just jump off the screen, screen at you. You've got to understand that David was a guy who had recently just done two of the worst things we probably can come up with. He committed adultery. Everybody in the room is going to be like, yeah, that's really, really bad. And he committed murder. Really, really bad. He has just spent this time in Psalms admitting his guilt before God. I mean, like, ugly, painful, here I am. And then he says to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Give me what I desperately need right now, joy. I'm trading my sin and all the ugliness that I have done. And I want your joy. The path from anger to joy, listen to me, it is repentance and forgiveness. For some of you in the room right now, you have anger in your life because of guilt over sin that's in your life. And you need to say to God, that was me, I did that, that was wrong, I am sorry, I want to change directions, please forgive me and give me your forgiveness and give me your joy. Guilt is a huge, huge reason for anger. Another big reason for anger is past hurt. Someone has hurt us. Guess what you've got to do to get from anger to joy? You've got to say these incredibly powerful words. I forgive you. I forgive you. Some of you, you've been wondering where your joy has been. You're like, well, if my circumstances change, I'd have joy. Listen, your circumstances does not dictate your joy. There are people in this room who are going through horrible circumstances right now and stand up and say they have the joy of the Lord in them. Because the joy of the Lord overcomes obstacles and circumstances. It just does. It just does. The way to joy is if you are guilty of sin, to repent before God and experience his forgiveness and allow him to restore the joy of your salvation. David went on to be known as a man after God's own heart. How'd that happen? The power of God. Not David being a good guy. The power of God. How are some people in this room who have experienced incredible things happening in life, maybe going through them right now, having joy, the power of God? How are some people in this room who have done some horrible, horrible things, and that's me too, experiencing the power and the joy of the Lord through the power of the cross? Jesus came to bring us joy. So let me ask you this. What, what do you need to repent of? 
so that you can experience God's forgiveness and therefore God's joy. Let me ask you this. Who do you need to forgive? What's the name of the person? What do you need to forgive them of? You need to name that person and you need to name that wrongdoing and you need to speak over them the incredible words that have been spoken over you by Jesus. I forgive you. Again, you may never hear them say, I'm sorry. Got a prayer. It's coming on the screen. I think it's on your notes. It should be. There are some blanks there. And yes, this is when it gets real. Okay? Uh, I want you to take some time now or sometime this week. Don't put this off. If you need to copy this and do this again and again and again, maybe there's a long list of people in your life. Heavenly Father, blank, that's for you to put a person's name in. And maybe for you, you like you don't even want to write their name down. You're so mad at them right now. You don't feel like they're deserving of you to write their name down. Well, you need to write their name down. Heavenly Father, this person has, and that line may not be long enough for you to write down all the things they've done to you. But you need to fill in that line and you need to express this to God and say, I, I know this person, they have done this to me and I choose to cancel this debt. I let them off the hook. Jesus, you let me off the hook, I let them off the hook. Again, their name again. They don't owe me anything. I choose to forgive the name again. The way you forgave me in Jesus' name, amen. Again, maybe they haven't told you they're sorry. Maybe they're not going to tell you they're sorry. Maybe just maybe it's somebody who has already died and gone, and there's no chance of them ever saying that they're sorry. And yet all of that anger is holding you hostage right now, and you need to let that go in the name of Jesus and experience the freedom that only he can bring. In just a moment, uh, we're going to pray. And after this prayer, we want to invite you to respond to God. We want you to experience the joy of the Lord. Maybe for you, you need to claim the incredible work of Jesus on the cross and repent of something and experience forgiveness and therefore find yourself experiencing the joy of salvation again. Maybe you've never experienced the salvation that we speak of. Faith in Christ through repentance will bring you this joy that we speak of. Maybe you need to claim the incredible work of Jesus on the cross and forgive someone of something. So today, we want to invite you to respond to Jesus. There will be people up front here that can pray with you if you need that. If you need to take time right where you are to experience the presence of God, we want you to do that. It's also going to be a time to give, and wow, what a generous, generous church we are a part of here. And we just want you to experience joy in giving. You want to see some joyful people? Find some generous people. It's the reason why our church is full of joy, just generous, generous people making a difference. We talked about the money that you gave last week towards the Compassion Center in Little Rock. Just so many incredible things we're doing for the gospel's sake, loving people in the name of Jesus as we are generous. If it's your first time here, we do encourage you to drop your um, communication card into the offering bucket. We'd love to connect you, with you. We want you to respond. We want you to pray. We want you to give. We want you to experience joy. Let's pray.